the things we do for Jesus. Amen. <laughs> We're in our Great Faith series, and together with we estimating about 100,000 people around the world, we are looking at this topic of great faith. And people are being strengthened, and if you've missed, go back. The podcasts are free. But people are being lifted up in their vision and in their hope and in their faith. I guess the foundation scripture of all of this is Hebrews 11 verse 6, where it says, but without faith, it is impossible, impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and he's the reward of those who diligently seek him. Think of those people who get the very best out of you. Think of those people who really get you at your like prime time, like when you're in your most sweetest, awesome spot. Those are people who you feel comfortable with. Those are people who believe in you. Those are people who love you. And remember, we've been made in the image of God. And so God responds to us as we believe in him. God responds to us as, as we love him and we expect things from, from him. So can we be people of great faith this year? That we believe in him and we expect and trust him for great things. Because as we do, we see the blessings of God come upon our lives. And we see the kingdom come. We see light being cast out. We're going to look at the life of, of Noah today. And Noah might seem like somebody who's very old and very distant. But Noah faced exactly what we faced. He faced a world that was mocking. He faced a world that was resistant to God. He faced a world of, of great sin and great wickedness. And by faith, he overcame. And he also faced great waves coming up, the waters rising. And I know some of you are facing just the waters rising in your life. And what you need to do is press into Jesus because he is our great ark. I know many of you went to Sunday school and some of you, you didn't. So I'm going to remind you of the story of, of Noah by just giving you 10 learnings from Noah, just as an intro. So 10 things that Noah has taught us. Firstly, don't miss the boat. <laughs> Secondly, take your friends and family and as many other people that you can with you on the boat. Thirdly, plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah started to build the ark. It was a hundred years before, at least a hundred years before. Point four, stay fit and strong and flexible and obedient. Noah was told to build an ark when he was 500 years old, so there's no excuses for any of us. Five, don't let the unbelievers, don't let the cynical, don't let the critics stop you from doing what God has called you to do, but just be on that job that God has called you to. Six, build your future on God's safe ground, and that's the word of God. Seven, when you can't take it anymore, when you're just being overwhelmed, just go into the ark of God's presence and just rise above the waves. Eight, if you don't feel equipped for what you're facing, Maybe you're a young parent. Maybe you've just been promoted. Just remember, the ark was built by amateurs. The Titanic was built by professionals. <laughs> Second last one. No matter what storm you are facing, when you face it with God, there's always a rainbow at the end. And then lastly, with God, 
we can do the seemingly impossible. One man, maybe with his sons, built an ark two football fields long, two football fields wide, four stories high. Let's go to the word together. Hebrews 11 verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. I'm not going to focus on reverent fear, but I just want to say this as Christians. We understand and we, and we do well to understand that the fear of God isn't just an Old Testament construct. Study it. Read the Word of God. There's something in us that should give honor and reverence to God and to His Word. This is what God says. And when God speaks, there's always a promise. There's always a required heart response to what God says to us to do. Thirdly, there's always a required step out, external, active response. And then fourthly, there's always a reward. As we do that, this is a five point sermon. By faith, Noah discerned the future. By faith, he built an ark. By faith, he saved his family. By faith, he preached the gospel. And by faith, he saved himself. So let's look at this first one. By faith, he discerned events about the future. You know, God wants to give you the ability in inverted commas to discern his voice. You know, God wants to speak to you of the future. It gives us an A-game advantage. It gives us almost a competitive, unfair advantage when we know what God is saying to us in the business sphere, when we know what God is saying to us for our children, when we know what God is saying to us for our future. And the Bible says, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep know my voice. And this is the inheritance that we have as believers, that we can hear God for the future, and he can lead us and guide us. Now, Elijah is the quintessential example of hearing God's voice. He goes up on the mountain, God passes by, and there's lightning, and there's thunder, and there's earthquakes, and it says God wasn't in that, and he wasn't in that, and he wasn't in that. But he was in the still small voice. And we need to learn how to hear the voice of God. About two weeks ago here, I think it was the first service, um, Pastor Simon had asked me to, to cover the worship. So got up early that morning, went for a walk, praying, seeking God, and I felt this unsettledness in my soul, like a dislocation from God. And I was like, I'm good with God, but just and I started to realize that God is speaking to me of where some of the people were. But, but I'm not 100% sure, and I'm trying to illustrate to you what hearing God's voice is like. I'm not 100% sure. So I get to church, and I go to the worship team, and I say, so what's the theme? And they go, rejoice. So I'm going, oh, okay. <laughs> and you know what? They were hearing from God for, I guess, about 80% of the congregation. So we had four songs, and it was the house was on fire, and everybody was jabulani and halala. It was awesome. But I'm just hearing, God, that there are some people that are dislocated. I've moved from 85 to about 93.7% sure. And um, just got up, and I said, 
If you are here and you're feeling far from God and dislocated from God, then just come forward. And so surprisingly, seemingly, I don't know, 120, lots of people came forward. What, are we, what am I saying to you? It's by faith that we hear the voice of God. And sometimes it's just a whisper. But as we hear it and we act on it, we see his hand. We see his favor and he's pleased. And the blessing of God comes upon us. The heart of hearing from God or, or, or the key to hearing from God is walking with him. Enoch walked with God and we heard about it last week and then he was translated. Noah walked with God and God didn't translate him. He remained in the mess of the world. But he walked with God. doesn't matter how hard your situation is, you can walk with God. And walking with God is really about two things. It's about your heart. What is the state of your heart towards the Lord? And secondly, it's about your habits. If there is a paradox or contradiction between your heart and your habits, there's a major problem. Because what's in your heart, I love Jesus, should be seen in the habits of your life. If you say you love him, Jesus, if you say you love me, then you'll obey my commandments. And if you're in a place where you know that your, your habits, and none of us are perfect, but if your habits are way off beam from your heart, seemingly your heart, then you know what you need to do? Repent, cry to God, ask him to come into your situation. Because we walk with God by having our hearts towards him and by having the habits of our life, what we do Monday through to Saturday, not just Sunday, that glorify him. Now, I want to give you some, some guidelines on hearing the voice of God. How do, you, how do you know that you've heard him? So it's a still small voice, but in addition to, this, to that, how do you know that you're not stepping off a beam and, and you're just following your own desires and your own flesh? Firstly, God does not contradict his written word. What is written in the word of God, the Holy Spirit is not going to lead you into something that's in tension or in contradiction with that. Paul writes, if any man thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. Okay, so God's not going to cause you to you know, take that bribe and Lord, thank you for blessing me. You're not hearing from God. God's not going to say, well, just, just sleep with him or just sleep with her because it feels so right. That's not the leading of the Holy Spirit. The scripture, John 10 verse 35 says, cannot be set aside. Now, if you've sinned, if you've fallen short of the glory of God, as we all have, there's mercy and grace. But let's not be deceived as to what's going on here. Let's not be deceived that we are hearing something that is in contradiction to the word of God. It's not the Holy Spirit. Secondly, God's voice has a consistent character. Thank you for some of these points, Greg. The genesis or the origination or the motivation of our hearts, plus the process by which we carry something out and the end fruit of it should be pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So if you want to judge something, you think you're hearing from God, you're not sure, then use James. For me, I use it like, as like the Southern Cross. You know, we can navigate by the Southern Cross. I use James 3.17 as a framework. 
Is what I'm doing originated in these things? Is the process in these things? And is the outcome? And then lastly, God's voice is not exclusive to me or to you. God says, my ways are not your ways in Isaiah. So you think you've heard from God and those that love you and are godly tell you no, it might just be that you're not hearing from God. There should at least be some confirmation by wise people, people that you have allowed into your life. You want to hear the voice of God? Let these things guide you. By faith, he discerned events about the future. Let's trust God for his word. Let's trust God for his word, prophetic word, into our circumstances. Secondly, by faith, he built an ark. And you know what that is? That's your life work. These are the things that you are called to do. These are the things that you're called to labor in. And by life's work, I'm not saying like the, the ultimate work of your life, but what are you meant to do? It can be family, and it must be family. It can be in society, can be in the workplace, in your various jobs, various times, different seasons, and it can be in the church. The Bible says, whatever you do, whatever it is, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for masters. From my mid-twenties until 40, I was not doing what I thought was the fullness of what God had for me. I felt the calling of God for full-time ministry. But for 15 years, the door just didn't open for me to come to full-time ministry. But I knew that God was saying to me, build the ark in your company. Build the ark in your workplace. Do it as unto me. So if you're not in your ideal job, if you're under a tough boss, if you're not in a, in a lack of place, nevertheless, do it as unto the Lord. Do it to his glory. Do it not when your boss is seeing, but doing, do it as unto God. One of our sons, we had, um, we've had some engagement with him about his studies. So he feels like 50, well, I'm misrepresenting him a little bit, but kind of, he's like 50,1%. I, I didn't overdo it, you know? <laughs> and our response to him is, but are you doing it to the glory of God? You don't, have to get, you don't have to be a straight A student, but are you giving your best? Are you doing it as unto the Lord? We're not saying you have to be like your brother. No, but we're saying, are you doing your very best? You know, a small thing is a small thing, but a small thing done every day as unto the Lord is a great thing. And we need to recognize that, that God looks at the arcs that we build, and it receives it as worship unto him as we do it well. I loved what Tim Keller said, and I want to read the quote to you. He said, in Genesis, we see God as a gardener. In the New Testament, we see him as a carpenter. No task is too small a vessel to hold the immense dignity of work given by God. So whatever is before you, do it as unto the Lord. Whatever you have to do in your family, in your workplace, do it to the glory of his name. And build the arcs of your life to his glory. Thirdly, by faith, 
He saved his family. Now, how many of you are single? And by single, I mean not yet married. So you might have a boyfriend or girlfriend. But how many of you are single? Just lift up your hands. Just lift them up high. Nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing to be ashamed of. Okay, put them down. Can I talk to you single people about saving your future family? Will you allow me to speak as a father to you? The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Young man, young woman, you have got no business going out with an unsaved girl, with an unsaved guy. Your business is to volunteer, be involved in the church, and meet a beautiful man, beautiful woman. And, and, and let me touch on something else. I want to destigmatize something. And, and please hear me carefully here. The Economist had a very interesting article about internet dating. And this is what it said that the chance of successful marriage, and this is empirical data, is as good, if not better, if you meet somebody via internet dating as any other way. Now, if you put yourself up on the internet, internet dating, I'm not talking about hooking up on Tinder, okay? We're clear about that. I'm talking about if you put yourself looking skanky, and, you know, then good luck, you, you're on your own, all right? I'm talking about putting yourself out there and saying, I'm all in for Jesus, I'm pursuing destiny and purpose. So you narrow band the amount of people that are going to be interested in you. So your pastor didn't say to you, you have to go internet dating, okay? But I am saying to you, build relationships here in this house. But for some of you, maybe you need to do that. But do it for your future family in a godly way. Okay, is that clear? I hope I haven't upset anybody. Okay, it's just a technology, okay? It's how you use it. But for those of you who are trusting for a spouse, build relationship, but build it with godly people. And some of you need to consider internet dating. Amen. I hope this sermon and the podcast doesn't come back to haunt me one day. Please delete the sermon. No, I'm joking. <laughs> All right. For those of you who are married, it says, believe, believe in the Lord Jesus. For those of you who are married, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Yeah. Now, we all want our children to love God. We all want our children to be all in for God. And I've said this to you beforehand. If you want that, and of course you do, the very, very, very best way for you to secure it is for you to burn brightly for Jesus. It's for you to be on fire. Otherwise, they're going to look at your life and go like, Mommy, Daddy says this, but they do that. Because your kids will see what you watch. They will see your life. So you want your children to be on fire? You want your family to be saved? You want to be like Noah, who saved his family? You be all in for God. Do not outsource the raising of your kids to grannies and nannies. And thank the Lord for grannies and nannies. Thank you, Lord, for them. And no judgment. But if you've got grannies and nannies, make sure that you are taking responsibility yourself to raise them in the love of God. We've got an incredible kids' ministry here. 
but do not outsource the impartation that you have to give your kids to them. Take responsibility as parents to save your family. And you understand what I mean by save your family? To play your role in imparting to them. And you know what? Great will be your joy. Great will be your reward. Yesterday, I was uh, driving to the airport, and I was just thanking the Lord. I feel like my, my sons are launched. Now, I've made lots of mistakes. I remember once giving James a hiding for something that he didn't do. And then we found out that he didn't do it. And then the week later, he flooded the whole house. And I said to him, it's fine. <laughs> We're square now. <laughs> Paid in full. <laughs> so by no means am I saying that Nick and I have been perfect parents. But we see the fruit of sons who now love God. Will you save your family by imparting to them? Will you save your family by making sure that you are an example? And I don't know if I recommend this movie, but I love the quote. I enjoyed the movie. In the Godfather. <laughs> Don Vito Corleone, the anti-hero, says, A man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. A man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. Can we be those men and women who invest in our families? And you single people, can you invest in godly relationships and not in ungodly relationships? Fourth, by faith he preached the gospel. Now, it wasn't in, the, in that particular verse that we read at the beginning. But it says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, Noah was a herald of righteousness. And for over a hundred years, he preached the gospel to that world. He proclaimed the love of God. He proclaimed the mercy of God. He spoke to a sinful, dark, dying world. How many responded? There were eight people who went into the ark. You know, I'm reminded of, of Reinhard Bonnke, who before he started what is such an incredible ministry that has touched millions. He was in Lesotho, and he preached for years with seemingly no fruit, but he did not stop. We are called to speak of the love of God. We are called to speak of, of a father who sent his son Jesus. We are called to explain to people that why they're feeling sick and why there's darkness is because of something called sin. We are called to proclaim Jesus to people. And you know what? God brings the increase. All we need to do is to be faithful to do what we are called to do and speak of the love of a father who sent his son. I'll never forget, I was 18 years old. I'm standing around a fire, Galuli's farm in Bedford View, drinking a beer. I might have been smoking Zorl dope at the same time. I can't remember. And I don't say that in pride. And, and we're all talking this is a testimony, okay? And they say, yeah, did you hear about so-and-so? Yeah, he's got religion. He's become a happy clappy, you know? And I'm drinking my beer and I'm being like, I'm like, I want to be him. Just like the Holy Spirit fell upon me. And the conviction of whoever this was, I, I didn't even know the person. It just spoke to me. You never know the impact of you standing up for Jesus. You never know how you're going to touch somebody's heart when you speak about the love of the one. And that, 
that round-the-fire conversation with a beer in my hand, it was, it was just the start of me coming back to God. So let's proclaim Jesus. Let's be like Noah, who does it by faith, who doesn't do it because we're always seeing the immediate return. We do it as unto the Lord. Some sow, some water, but it's God who brings the increase. Philemon verse 6, only one chapter, it says, I pray you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. In other words, it's not just right to do it and it's not just good for the advance of the kingdom, but it's good for you. You start to get a revelation of the goodness and the love and the mercy of God. You start to realize what we have in Christ. Anybody ever been like a, a skellum boyfriend or girlfriend? Okay, don't lift up your hand, okay? Anybody, anybody ever been a mistress? Don't lift up your hand, okay? So, so the problem with being a mistress, and I'm not sure what the male version of a mistress is. Somebody help me. Shout out what it is. A what? Ben 10. I don't know what that is. Simon, I don't know if you're getting into trouble here. Ben 10. If you've ever been a mistress or a Ben 10. Okay. Let's not have Jesus be our mistress or our Ben 10. And what I mean by that is, you enjoy him on the side. You enjoy him on the side. Hey, but you don't take him to parties. You don't take him to work. He's not with you in your family. It's just a very private affair. And you're almost ashamed of him. You're ashamed of your mistress. You're ashamed of your Benton. Let us not be ashamed of Jesus. But wherever we are, let's glorify him when... When people see you and they say, what an awesome person you are, don't be like, yeah. <laughs> All glory to me. No. Let's give him glory. And let's speak about his goodness. Amen. Amen. Lastly, by faith, he inherited the righteousness that comes from faith. Some of you are in a difficult place. Some of you need to get out of the water and into the ark. The ark of safety that is Jesus. What you need to do is you need to put your faith in him. And you need to start to trust him. And you need to stop doing it your way. And you know, it's by faith. You don't clean up your act. He cleanses you. You don't come on your terms, you come on his terms. But you put your faith in him and you say, Lord, I give you my all. I'm stuck here. This is a mess. But I come to you. Won't you help me? And you know what happens? He comes in and he changes everything. I was so inspired by my son James's testimony of his first week of work, which was week before last. So he started to work at um, Ernst & Young in Cape Town and uh, on the first day, everybody got sent to the Sunlam audit, and he was set apart for some very special stuff. And um, 
He'd been trusting God for that. He'd been trusting God to become an expert in something. And, and we were talking about it, and he was saying, look, it's the favor of God for sure. Um, but he also stood up for God. So at the bride, just before they started work, everybody kind of went around the rooms all the first years, and they said to them, so what's new in your life? What are you believing for? And he said, this is in the secular environment, he said, well, I'm part of a church plant in Seapoint, and that's what I'm really excited about. So he just told the guy, that's what I'm doing. So first day of work, he gets assigned, turns out she'd chosen him, to what he described at first, day one, as like a very tough boss, this lady, just three or four years older than him. So we're like, oh, sorry, you know, just really tough on him, day one. We didn't speak to him for the next five days. On the Friday, we spoke to him. How's work going? He's like, it's going amazingly. My boss is fantastic. She loves Jesus. <laughs> She's just giving me more and more opportunity. I'm being put into partners meetings and Skype calls with international um, clients, etc., etc., etc. But you know what he did? He did it by faith. He spoke about Jesus and he approached his work by faith. Can we be like Noah? And can we live by faith? And as we do, we will see the blessing and the favor and the grace and the mercy of God. Can we bow our heads in prayer together? I want to give you an opportunity this morning, if you know that you're not right with God, either you've never truly put your faith in Him, or you've fallen away, you've backslidden, and now you find yourself in a dark place. And the waters are rising. If you want to come home, if you want to put your faith in Jesus for the first time, make today your day. Respond to the love and the mercy of God. And if that is you, I want you to lift up your hand and say, that's me. This is for Jesus. This is to be decisive. It's also that I can pray for you. If that's you, anyone here, you want to come home. You want to give your life to Jesus. Is there anybody here? Thank you, Father. I can't see any hands. All right, church, let's all stand up together. Can we together pray for the ark, for our families, and for our witness? And uh, if you need power for any one of those three, for your workplace, for your family, or for your witness, then just lift up your hands. Father, as we lift up our hands, we are praying for grace. Lord, we are praying for strength. Lord, we are praying, Lord God, that our families would be saved, our existing and our future families, Lord God. Lord, we are praying for the ark, Lord God, of our work, of our workplace. Lord, that we would do it by faith and we would see the blessings that come. And lastly, Father God, we pray for our witness, Lord God, that we would shine brightly for you, Father God, that, Lord, we would proclaim you. We wouldn't hide you, Lord God, like a mistress, Lord God, but we would be, be proud to walk with you and to be associated with Christ. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.